the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Total Financial Hour is brought to you by Total Financial Solutions. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the Total Financial Hour. Now higher. All right, welcome to the show, the Total Financial Hour. The Total Financial Hour, that's me. Eric Hallaby, place for news, talk, and information. This is AM870, The Answer. We're here every week at this time talking about your family's finances, hopefully helping you get out of debt, manage money, plan for your future. Uh, Some of you are retired. Uh, Now, our goal is to keep you from being untired. Now, if you read one of my articles about, oh, maybe three years ago, I think we coined the phrase untire. Uh, I thought I was the first to use it. Turns out I wasn't. Uh, But I can tell you this. Untire is when you go back to work. Now, it's more than just going back to work. It's going back to work because of a couple of reasons. Number one, you need the money. Number two, you need the insurance or more insurance credits. You know, for a lot of people, they forget something. They forget when they go back to work that the reason you're doing it is simple. It's to be around people, right? But it's also to make money because the people in Fiji or the South Pacific, I don't know, the Bahamas, they're great people this time of year. The folks at your local big box store trying to get a shopping cart may not be the same kind of folks. So you don't just do it to be around any folks. You're doing it because you need the income. Now, often it's not because we're dumb or or we we weren't good at our our field of study. Maybe not even that your job wasn't even a high-paying job. It's simply this. When you were planning, you didn't expect certain pitfalls to come along the road. Perfect example. You were told, you learned, maybe even in school by friends, family, you need to buy real estate. And it's California real estate. Always buy in California. This is the place. Okay, well, that's nice. And when you buy California real estate, it's always going to go up. That's what they told us, except for, uh, you know, a few times, like 1991, 2008. You know, there's a few. But if you hold it long enough, right, that's the story. But you forget that the folks in Sacramento, generally speaking, are poor mindsetted. That means they've never had a job where they wrote and signed the front of the check. They never understood what it's like to pay other people before themselves. I can raise two hands on that, right? When you own a business, you make sure your employees are taken care of first. And that means sometimes there isn't enough left over, like in 2008. So you have to have a plan B. Well, these politicians don't know what the first thing about employing people Their goal is to take more money from you, especially those of you that did well, because they're jealous. In their mind, rich equals mean, evil, dirty, bad. It doesn't mean you did well. It doesn't mean you're smart. It doesn't mean you were even lucky. It means you must have done something wrong, because, by the way, my cousin, friend, mother's brother is a wonderful person, and if he's not rich, well, gosh darn it, I don't know you. It must be that you're just not nice. And so they'll do that. They'll go through and they'll add value to money. In other words, they'll add their ethics, their values. And so they purposely will go after you with whatever means necessary. Can you say judges? Can you say the court system? 
And now our local friendly politicians in Sacramento, they call it something called, oh, initiatives. Now, it's all wonderful, except the class warfare is the only reason that they exist. So if you're expecting to retire and you're expecting to receive income from your rental property, you need to have a plan B because the legislative risk, which is one of the risks we have in in the financial world, the legislative risk can be serious. So joining us today is eviction attorney Dennis Block. We're very excited to have him here because Dennis is one of the, I would say, experts in the field uh, representing you, the landlord, and somebody that says, uh, you know, common sense approach to, to this world is very important. Let's hear what, what's going on with the, uh, it's called the affordable, uh, well, share with me. Dennis, welcome to the show. Uh, first of all, what an honor. Get a, yeah, can we make sure his mic's on? There we go. Yeah. What an honor it is to be here, Aura. Uh And, uh, yes, we have a state initiative that is on the ballot in November yeah. called the Affordable Housing Act. Affordable Housing. Okay, that that. Okay, so, Dennis, get a little closer to the mic. Uh, affordable housing. All right, so when we say Affordable Housing Act, uh, think of it like the. Do you remember the Affordable Care Act? Yeah, it was, that was going to help us with the insurance. And my favorite thing in the world was my health insurance went from eight seventy two a month with a $4,000 deductible and, quote, the Affordable Care Act, because who wouldn't want anything affordable? The next year, my insurance went from $4,000 deductible to eight and 2200 a month. Actually, $2,180, I'll be specific. And then the third year, which was this year, $3,200 a month for me, my wife, and three children with the Affordable Care Act. Now, you guys know it as Obamacare. I don't know who it was affordable for, but it certainly is not affordable to citizens because people were not going to and are not going to simply allow their insurance to go through the roof. They'll just say, yeah, cancel it. I can use the, because now my deductible is $12,000. All right, you do the math on that. That's somewhere in the neighborhood of $50,000 I have to shell out of my pocket before the Affordable Care Act. So now this is affordable housing, right? So Dennis, tell me about the affordable housing, because everybody wants something affordable. Well, first of all, I'd like to determine it to be the deceptive affordable housing There you go, (laughs) just like the last. And if you want to really take a step back, what does it mean that it says affordable housing? Is it affordable prices for cereal? Is it affordable prices yes. for, for houses? Is it affordable prices uh, for uh, baby formula? In our system, which is based on a free economy, the reason why this country is as great as it was, it was based on the concept that things would sell for its market price. Right, that's right. And it's just a free economy. So. For example, if you want to, uh, if you have X amount of money, you might not be able to rent an apartment in Beverly Hills. Maybe you need to go to a different jurisdiction. But prices are are not in excess of what they should be. They are uh, what the market bears. So the call, call this the Affordable Housing Act is totally deceptive. It's wrong, yeah. And it really means it really means nothing. So what what are we talking about here? We're talking about the institution of rent control up and down the state of California. So far in our state, while we have some in Northern California like Oakland and, and uh, San Francisco, down in Southern California area, we have it obviously in Los Angeles, uh, Santa Monica, Take a, listen, West Hollywood. One of the things that drives me crazy, Dennis, is you go down through 
the world of Santa Monica. And you take a look at the dilapidated homes, uh, apartment buildings. If the tenants are, are paying seven, eight, nine hundred, a thousand, two thousand, fifteen hundred a month, you tell me, if I'm a landlord, where am I going to find the money to pay my ever increasing property taxes and to fix things and make my property look better? You have maintenance issues, you have property taxes, you have your mortgage payment. Uh, they have certain dues that you have to pay with regard to the institution of these rent control ordinances. So they literally foster a situation where you can't get more rent, and therefore, what can you do? You can't make all the repairs that you need to make. But that's irrelevant to the politicians. The politicians are just trying to curry favor, obviously, with the tenants. So you have a situation where if you have a free economy, things will rise to its proper level. You'll also have more building if there's a shortage of places. That's right. Then you'll have more building. For example, with the Affordable Care Act, what they're going to do is, excuse me, Affordable Housing Act, yes. what you're going to do is you're going to be able to have other municipalities have the right now to institute rent control. So cities such as Long Beach, Pasadena, Inglewood, Glendale will all be jumping on the bandwagon. They've been marching in Santa Ana in, in conservative Orange County uh, and Fullerton for them to institute rent control. And all that's going to do is to dry up the market. But let's, let's step back and let's even think about rent control. Rent control is really tenant welfare. That's what it is. That's exactly it, right. It's tenant welfare. It's taking from one segment of society and giving it to another segment. But if we take it even a step further, if you're into social welfare, at least, at least technically the recipient of social welfare somehow qualifies for it. Secondly, when you're dealing with social welfare, you're having the populace all chip in to pay for it. When you're dealing with rent control, number oh, one, yeah. it goes to everybody whether they need it or not. So if a guy is driving a leased $650 BMW and the rent he's paying is $650 less per month because of the imposition of rent control, who is paying for that BMW? Yeah, that's right. Isn't that interesting? So the, the tenant is subsidized by the landlord not the rest of the taxpayer. Exactly. So you have two things. People are getting this welfare, whether they need it or whether they don't. And you're not asking society to chip in and take care of this welfare. You're saying this one landlord supports this one person, whether he needs it or not. That's the fallacy dealing with rent control. And that's what tears apart our society. And, you know, I've seen this uh, time and again, Dennis, where folks are retired they, they retired 8, 9, 10, 15 years ago, and a big percentage of your income, folks, is coming from your rental property, your duplex, your fourplex, your eight-unit apartment building, whatever it might be. And all of a sudden, the politicians get involved, and you're 74 years old. You're not going to go back to work. You know, when we use the word untire, uh, I defined it even deeper than just going back to work. We're saying, listen, you have to go back to work in a field other than what you were trained in simply because technology has changed. Your coworkers slash your boss, they're different, so they don't know you anymore. They don't care who you are. You can walk in and say hi to people, but you don't understand the social relationships anymore. You're not economically valuable to them because you haven't kept up with technology. Now you're going back to work. In a field, we've seen it with engineers, with architects, who have not stayed current with whatever the latest computer systems are, being forced to go back to work doing things the old way, which means slower in most cases. 
and getting paid much less money. All because of a change. Now, in this particular case, it's a change that the politicians and the poor people, and I say poor when I'm talking, folks, that's the mindset, right? You can have a lot of money in your pocket and have a poor mindset. Robert Kiyosaki was a mentor of mine many years ago and is, an, I think, a brilliant guy when it comes to the simplicity of wealth. And he said, listen, there's rich mindset and poor mindset. Poor mindset think that it's okay to take from you. Rich mindset says, I got to be better because I want what you have, but I'm going to make myself better. Exactly. Why have, for example, a bigger family if you know you can't afford it? But if your mindset is, is that, well, somebody will bail me out, yes. I'll take the money from my neighbor. But again, when you're talking about going back to this Affordable Housing Act, uh, you're asking one person to take care of another person. It's not split between everybody, and it's totally an insidious thing. Now, the Affordable Housing Act, actually, all it does is it uh, repeals an act called Costa-Hawkins. Right. Costa-Hawkins stated that unless you had, unless a city had rent control by 1995, they couldn't institute it. So that put the lid on all these other cities that they can't institute rent control. It also said that if you had a condo, a townhouse, or a house, you couldn't institute rent control. For those uh, listeners out there, if this bill passes and you are even thinking of renting out your single family home, you're now gonna get stuck with a rent control issue potentially. But it also did, did something else. In the city of Santa Monica, way before you were born, but I was around to remember this, Arif, uh, they had something called, uh, they didn't have vacancy decontrol. So insidiously, if I had a tenant who was paying $643 for an ocean view apartment and I was stuck with rent control, at least if he voluntarily vacated, I could raise the rent. That's right. At least I'm not, who am I protecting? It's a vacant unit. Let the person who can afford it come in and buy it. Just like the person who can afford to buy a Porsche come in and buy it. That's exactly right. But Santa Monica did away with vacancy decontrol. Now, under the Costa Hawkins Act, they instituted vacancy decontrol saying, regardless, if a tenant leaves voluntarily, you got a vacant unit there, at least be able to. It's your property, by the way, the one you pay the taxes on, the mortgage payment, the upkeep, at least rent it for what you can legitimately rent it for. Well, if they do away with Costa Hawkins, Santa Monica is already on board right now to do away with vacancy decontrol, which means that these landlords who have suffered for so long with these low-income places and finally somebody gets married, somebody moves away, their job changes, somebody is deceased, some reason that that place becomes vacant, they're still going to be stuck with maybe a little bit more of an increase, but they'll never get it to market value. What is this country based on? You know, the capitalist idea should be the short answer. But when we think deeply about this, it is a depth of jealousy. And to me, I, I can't think of it as anything else. Whenever you hear somebody, now President Obama was caught saying this for a short bit, because it's my industry, my ears perk up, but we listened to it, but other folks, it probably went over their head. But you can see it, it was a videotaped uh, uh, meeting. And he said, when he was looking at trying to maximize, sorry, uh, uh, to cap the amount of retirement accounts dollars that you could have. In other words, he was quoted as saying, I saw him, I watched him. And he said, who needs more than $3 million in their retirement account anyway? Exactly. Now he walked around saying this, and we think there should be a maximum where you should be no longer eligible to put money in your retirement accounts after it reaches $3 million. Now it didn't go very far. 
But another, uh, sometime later, he made a, converse, uh, a quote in a conversation about, you know, I think the Roth IRA, which is post-tax money going in, like the $20 in your purse or your pocket, you put it in, it grows, and you're now eligible to pull it all out without any taxes, without any penalties, fees. You can take it all out. There's a little bit of rules, but it's, it's tax-free essentially later on down the road. And he said, I think we should go back. This was his last budget that he put th- through towards Congress. His provision said, I think we should eliminate the Roth IRA deduction. And, of course, the reason for that is it puts more money in the government coffers, That's right. which allows them to buy new projects that, uh, and new entitlements that no one and ever is going to end. And part of that conversation is the mindset that allows us to think that capping your retirement, like why not 2.6 million? Why not 18 million? Why, why did this king, right, this dictator, come along and say that 3 million was the idea? That's stunning to me because he and his friends, and Hollywood especially, make that in a week in some of these movies. We have of them course. as clients. So why is it okay to put a number? That same mindset says, I think you have a wonderful apartment building. The most you're going to be able to make eh, is this much. Now, why is it that today most movie stars, wealthy people, celebrity folks, politicians, I don't know of one that doesn't own a property outside of California and pl- that, that are California residents and plan on retiring or already have their residence and their vacation home is in Bel Air. Of course. But why is it, though, that we're only talking about one segment of society where there's price controls? There's no price controls on airplane rides. There's no price controls on hotel rooms. There's no price controls for surgeries, corneas, anything else that you can think of. There's only one segment. Where did we get this? One segment of society that says, you, oh, you're a landlord? Oh, we're going to regulate what you can make. Why? That's right. Where did that come from? And do you think that it's the same mindset that, that, that crisscrosses the world that says, uh, because you are somebody who has more than I do, you must have done something wrong. Well, you know, they call it. it the landlord, in other words, and they're, review, they're viewing it as the lord of the land. That's right. And that's the way we're looked at because we, we provide a service yes. uh, of housing to, to people where, where else are they going to live? That's right. And all of a sudden now we're limited. And again, our country is based on a free economy. It's why the pilgrims came here. They didn't come here for religious freedom. They came here for economic freedom because they wanted to own land. And we have every single politician trying to chip away at this right. And, and the right is really a free economy bolstered by income property. Well, the state of California is really pushing as far as they can to the left. Kevin DeLeon has made some uh, um, uh, downright, I think, socialist comments on how he believes uh, that this act and others like this, taking from those that have done better than him or, or some of his constituents, I think just to outpace, if you will, Diane Feinstein, who's now forced her far to the left, where she starts giving up on death penalties, she starts giving up on, uh, on uh, the capitalist ideas. I mean, th- this lady is the next first coming of, of socialist uh, you know, nirvana. You have to consider this for a minute. And... and I want you guys to think about this. It used to be that unless you owned land, you weren't allowed to vote on uh, issues related to land, right? Think of this for a minute. If I live in the same town, let's say I live in Santa Monica and there's a ballot measure on Santa Monica's ballot and I own an apartment and there's 12 units 
And, you know, part of my retirement is I want to live close to the beach. I don't want a big... Uh, so I live in one of those. So I have 11 tenants and I live two blocks from the ocean. And I have this and it comes time to vote. And they say, we think we should have rent control. And we think then that's ballot measure A. And B says, we should raise property taxes on those son of a guns that own property. Ballot measure B. Now I go to vote and I have one vote. My 11 tenants go, you know what? I think we should rob Peter to pay Paul because there's 11 Pauls in this building and there's one Peter. So we win. And now you turn around and they, they decide. And because of rent control, the, the landlord cannot pass. Otherwise, I'd say, oh, yeah, that's right. Each of you are going to have to pay another $150 a month because I have to pay that to the government. Well, it was always curring favors with politicians on the basis that tenants obviously by far outnumber landlords. Uh, if you can possibly throw in homeowners, there's a little bit more of an even playing field. But by far, tenants do out, outnumber All landlords. Yeah, so anytime a politician is going to say something in favor of a tenant, obviously it's putting uh, more uh, security for him to be reelected. And that's what Costa Hawkins did. It protected landlords. It protected landlords from crazy results, which is what's going to happen when we, uh, if this ballot passes, and you're going to see just a tidal wave of rent control starting up and down the state, which is going to affect all housing negatively. And what other people don't realize is that who's really taking the hit for uh, rent control? And a lot of respects, it's the other tenants in the building. If I have three units in my building that are under severe rent limitations, so I'm only getting $600 for a typically a $1,400 apartment, when that next tenant moves in on a vacant unit, you know what? I'm going to charge him 1800 Yeah. Because I have to have him subsidize the first three guys. So in effect, it's newer tenants that are also subsidizing older tenants because you could charge what you want when those tenants moved in. So you're dealing with, number one, it's hurting tenants, it's cutting down on housing, uh, and also affecting people who worked hard for a living. It's, it's really a sad situation. Folks, we're interviewing Dennis Block here from Dennis Block & Associates. It's a law firm specializing in residential and commercial eviction of tenants. So he is the tenant eviction California specialist here. Started in 1976 and leading the way in evictions from the state of California. Uh, Dennis, what is the process to evict a tenant under, under current law? If I have somebody in my home or my apartment uh, and I, it's time to get them out, what is the process? Well, you would think that if a person is not paying rent legitimately, you'd think you'd just be able to go over to uh, the local police department and say, hey, he's not paying rent and I'd like you to remove him. That's the way it should be. Unfortunately, as you can imagine in this state, there are so many protections under the law that, again, this all adds to the cost of owning property. So you have a tenant moved into the unit, uh, decided to pay the rent that was asked for, paid his first month's rent, paid his security deposit, never paid again. So what is the status for the landlord at that situation? The landlord walks over to him, the tenant's saying, I'm not paying. Maybe he'll start making up a list of things that were wrong yeah, with the apartment, right. even Screen though he door, just moved the in. garbage disposal, yes, they throw stuff course. down the toilet and mess it up. Yeah. So the process means that, number one, the landlord has to serve a three-day notice to pay rent or quit. 
He first has to serve that notice, waits three days. If the tenant doesn't pay or quit within the three days, the landlord then has to engage the services of an attorney, such as my firm, and we'll file something called an unlawful detainer. That is an eviction lawsuit. The tenant has to be served with that lawsuit. Of course, a lot of times tenants will evade service. Yes. So we do have to try for a while to catch them. Once they're served, then they'll have approximately 10 days to respond to the court. If they do respond to the court... Meanwhile, I'm still not getting rent. Right, of course. But I, I don't have to pay my mortgage payment, right? Uh, of, oh, no. That's, that's just waived <laughs> at that point and the, in and time. The taxes I'll just the, tell the bank, oh, excuse me, yeah. the guy in apartment number two is not paying. Right, and the property taxes, you know, right. the, the city's okay with me not paying, right? So this is the state of affairs that are going on specifically in Los Angeles County. So, okay, so you serve the tenant with the lawsuit. So the tenant is now served with the lawsuit. Well, let's see. The tenant's going to go to court, and you know how you have landlords get free attorneys, right? I'm sure they do. Oh, yeah, right. Right. Oh, they don't. They have to pay me. But tenants do. But tenants do. At the L.A. Superior Court, you're entitled to a free attorney. They don't ask for need. You're going to get a free attorney. And what's going to happen is that attorney is going to take the case. And what's going on now? They only they represent the tenant, but they also ask for a jury trial. Oh, a fantastic. Jury, a jury trial on a, on a simple non-payment of rent where the guy didn't pay his second month's rent going in. We're going to continue, Dennis, uh, with Dennis Block, the attorney law firm, when we come back in just a second, folks. You're listening to me, Eric Hallaby, on uh, your place for news, talk, and information. This is AM870, The Answer. Give us a call at 888-99-RETIRE. That's 888-997-3847. You got a question for Dennis Block, eviction attorney? 888-997-3847. I'm Eric Hallaby, the Total Financial Hour. We'll be right back. Security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now, higher income strategy. Learn from Arab Halaby. Welcome to the show, Total Financial Hour. I'm Arab Halaby, your place for news talk and information. AM870, the answer. I like this song. That's Jimmy Carnelli. Probably the best Frank Sinatra. Uh, impersonator, singer, I don't know what you call him. I think he's even better than Frank Sinatra, but that's just my opinion. <laughs> Thanks, Jimmy. What a great song. All right, folks, as we talk about your family's finances, helping you you know, get out of debt, manage money, plan for retirement, and more importantly, for those of you that are retired, staying retired. For a lot of us, retirement uh, consists of, should anyway, multiple sources of income. You never want all of your eggs in one basket. You've heard that said before. And that includes rental property income as a source for some part or, or maybe a big part of your retirement income. Well, I don't want you to, to fall asleep at the switch and not know what's going on with the upcoming ballot initiative. So joining us is Dennis Block from Dennis Block & Associates. Folks, grab a pen. I'm going to give you his contact information here in just a little bit. Uh, but you can give us a call at 888-99-RETIRE. That comes right in here to the station. 888 Nine nine seven three eight four seven, and during the week, of course, that also re- rings to the office. If you have any questions, all right, Dennis, we're talking about the eviction uh, process, what it takes to 
move somebody out of a, and we're still speaking about residential. Is that right? That is correct. Yeah. So commercial is a little different in California. Maybe we'll get to that a little bit. It's not that difficult. Well, there's no rent control for commercial. So it does tend to be difficult, less difficult. And also there's uh, less defenses on a commercial eviction. But going back to the issue of what potentially can happen when the tenant goes to the LA Superior Court and then uh, gets legal help, and now all of a sudden we're involved in a jury trial. Which is weeks and weeks now of no rent. Well, not only is that, there's limited assets that the court has in terms of scheduling jury trials because there's only so many courtrooms, and we're now flooded with jury trials. So these cases can go three, four, five months, and uh, just in terms of trying to get sent out, and it obviously the there's no income coming in, so you're talking about a major financial loss to the to the landlord. And the landlord can't go and, and pound on this guy's door or, or uh, you know play loud music or uh, I mean they can't do anything. It's tough luck. You, you, I own that you, property and I have to stay on this side of the fence. You'd have a thousand lawyers taking that tenant's case, bringing forth an affirmative lawsuit against them for harassment. But but truly, at the end of the at the end of the exercise, when when the blood from the landlord has been drained, eventually the landlord will just cave in and say, look, I don't want to go any further. I'll waive all the rent. Let me give you a couple of thousand bucks to and just out. leave. This is a tenant who never paid rent past the first tenant, first month. Now, of course, this is not the example of what happens in most eviction cases, but there certainly is a healthy percentage of what goes on. And it's all fostered by free attorneys asking for jury trials in eviction cases. Okay, take the other side of it. You have a mom, dad, three kids, two months after moving in, dad gets laid off, mom was a stay-at-home mom, no money, no place to go. You're going to force me to be homeless, Mr. Block. How do I, what do I do for and me that's and that's what social welfare is about. It is not my job to be your father. It's not my job to take care of your children. I've got my own family. I always say that uh, if you want to be charitable, you be charitable to your own children to your family and close family members and the city of hope. That's it. Yeah. Otherwise, you're in the wrong business if you're a landlord. So it's not the landlord's job to step in and take care of this family. They, he's got his own family to take care of. Now, there are social programs out there, maybe in this situation that they can do it. But to sit there and say that I'm going to impose on a landlord the requirement that I have to support a stranger, I just don't get it. So tell me about Section 8 housing. Now, we've heard of that over the years. Good, bad. Some people love it. Some hate it. Uh, Section 8 housing is is obviously a a section in the code. I want to say it's the HUD code, if I'm not mistaken. But tell me about that. Where does Section 8 housing come into play here? Interesting that you should raise that because we just found a little loophole with Section 8. Uh, But the concept of Section 8 is that it's subsidized housing, and that's administered by the federal government through local counties and local municipalities like Los Angeles. And the tenant will apply for that uh, benefit. They'll get a voucher. They'll take that voucher over to a landlord, and the landlord can accept it or not accept it. If he accepts it, then they'll, they'll agree upon the rate. And then the tenant will only pay a portion. So if the rent is $1,500, maybe the tenant will pay $500, and the uh, city, through the Housing and Urban Development, will pay $1,000. For the landlords, for some landlords, though, I don't recommend this for my clients, but it is a business model. They're at least assured of getting most of the rent. Uh, and there's less problems in terms of having to go through an eviction in that respect. However, 
the, what they don't understand is that many times the tenant will not, for example, prepare the unit. So if Section 8 can't uh, inspect, then they'll cut off funding. The tenant's still there, and the landlord did nothing. They can't, they can't make the repairs that they want to make. So also in terms of dealing with Section 8, there's a tremendous amount of paperwork that you have to do. Uh, in terms of requirements that wouldn't be if you were just having a regular landlord-tenant relationship. Uh, lastly, when you're dealing with uh, Section 8 um, tenants, uh, they have um, issues where once they're on Section 8, if you're in a rent-controlled land, there is absolutely no way to get rid of them. They're stuck. I always say to my clients, they're going to stay there until your grandchildren have grandchildren. And in terms of rent increases, that only can be approved by Section 8. If they don't want to approve it, then you can't. In Los Angeles, for example, if you're under rent control, at least you get a 3%. You get something. That's not true with Section 8. Once you're there, if they don't want to increase your rent, you're stuck for life. However, I just posted on my website that we found a little um, uh, trick that we might be able to get out of uh, rent-controlled Section 8 cases, and it deals with terminating a S Section 8 tenancy and uh, basically um, getting rid of the Section 8 contract, allowing the tenant to stay at the full rent. So Section 8 housing, folks, if that's part of what you'd like to do here, let me give you the website. Remember I told you to grab a pen. Pay attention closely. Here it is, www, of course. So evict... 123.com. Evict123.com. That's Dennis Block of Dennis Block and Associates, a law firm specializing in residential and commercial eviction of tenants. I want to also give you the phone number in case you're uh, close to a phone. 877-EVICT. E-V-I-C-T. 877-EVICT. Okay, Dennis, we're, we're speaking about residential versus commercial and some of the variations. Um, you said they're not always the same and it's a little bit uh, easier. Spe spell it out for me a little bit. Commercial real estate does have a different set of rules. Well, when you deal with residential evictions and it's for non-payment of rent, in every single answer by the tenant who is contesting the case, every single answer, they're going to complain that something was wrong with the premises. Of course. And they'll, they'll walk around and they'll find something, maybe a light switch that doesn't work, something. And they will add that to the, to the answer. And in every single case, when the landlord looks at the response from the tenant, they'll say, he never told me. That's he right. never told me. Right. I never got anything on this. But yet they'll walk into court with a laundry list of how bad this landlord is and all the things that he didn't do. Now, to, to uh, con conversely with commercial uh, realty, you don't have habitability as a defense. So your your obligation to pay rent is independent than anything else. So in some respects, commercial evictions can tend to be easier because you don't have to worry about the defense of habitability when the tenant doesn't pay rent. But again, I can tell you, I, and I can show you answers written by landlord, excuse me, by tenants' attorneys for multiple cases and the same defenses are listed, the exact same ones in the exact same order, from pests and cockroaches to windows that don't work to leaking plumbing to paint peeling, the same language. And of course, the landlord, when he tries to go in there uh, to inspect to see what the tenant is talking about, of course, the tenant denies access. So 
Can the it, tenant deny access to a residential building at any time? A tenant can do whatever he wants, just like anybody could rob a bank whenever they want. The law says that a landlord is supposed to be allowed access if there is a necessary or agreed repair upon serving a 24-hour notice stating the date, the time, and the reason. What about annual or monthly inspections in California? Technically not. You can inspect for smoke detectors uh, or carbon monoxide detectors, but and that can be done. But obviously not more than once every six months at the very minimum or at the very maximum. So you're dealing with uh, tenants who are just creating this charade of reasons why they don't want to pay the rent. And it all starts with good intentions, as most of the most of these rules and regulations always start with good intentions, like to be able to smoke marijuana because I have glaucoma or because I had uh, terminal cancer. And of course, there's not one person who ever got their marijuana license who ever had that as one of their criteria for it. And the same thing is true. Legitimately, you could have a landlord who was uh, told about a certain condition, a reasonable condition. The landlord totally ignored it, and the tenant in frustration finally withheld the rent. That happens one half of 1%. And that, these laws that were created, all they do is they're swords to stick it into the landlord's heart as opposed to a shield to protect the tenant. And it seems time and again that if you're a retired person and part of your income is coming from this, we are seeing folks that say, you know, I'm 70, I'm 72, I'm 68. Uh, it's time for me to start divesting myself of the real estate. And that is a great strategy, guys. You've heard me talk about safer money options, places where we don't go backwards, we make reasonable gains. Maybe two to you know three percent years. Some years we make eight or nine. The average is three to six. That seems to be what we get over time. So when you sell your commercial property, you say or your residential property, and you say enough with the headaches, enough with the management of it, uh, then the lump sum has a place to go, and there are ways to create lifetime sources of income where you're never worried about running out of money. And that's pretty important because maybe when you were younger. The time to buy residential real estate and to be the guy and gal who's out there, you know, fixing toilets and sweeping the the grounds and all of those things. Maybe it's time for you to take a step back. So that's what Total Financial Solutions is all about. That's why the Total Financial Hour is here uh, every week talking about safer money options and strategic income for your retirement. Dennis, one of the things that we've talked about is, uh, and and let me give your website one more time, evict123.com. That's evict123.com. One of the things we've spoken about in the past is how uh, residential real estate uh, is often handed down because of great tax benefits, right? From parent to child, there's some wonderful things that can take place. But I've had clients come to my office and nearly get a divorce where she grew up having to, being told this apartment building is going to be yours, but having to get in on her weekends and summer days and cleaning out the units and sweeping up and cleaning out the restrooms. You can imagine some of the, uh, you know, you don't have to imagine, probably just the last week, uh, you know, some of the things that they had to clean up. And so in her mind, and, and now they were an, an upper middle class family, and her husband said, now it's time to start buying real, real estate. She said, I'm never. In fact, they sat in my office when he said, I want to buy real estate. And she said, if you do, I will leave you. I mean, it was stunning to me. Her experience was so far. It was this emotional. The numbers didn't matter. I could have showed a calculator, math. It didn't matter. And he said, well, you don't understand. Wealth is how my family created wealth was on real estate investments and da-da-da. So 
there are going to be people that look at the same ledger and have different emotional connections. And you've probably seen that where they said, just get rid of this property. I'm done with it. I don't care what I make. Just get rid of these people. Well, you have situations where obviously you have tenants who are normal tenants, nice people, and will treat property with respect. Then you have tenants that just don't. Uh, and you cannot believe the horror when you open up the door and see what happens. And this generally also comes from the same guy who's not paying his rent, who went through this whole process and literally didn't pay the rent month after month after month, and the landlord took a financial loss. Now you open up the door and you see that things are ripped off, cabinets, everything missing. Uh, they've um, put in some cases, we've seen concrete down the pipes. It's insanity. Now, again, I'm not dissuading people from buying real estate. I own real estate. I own many buildings. And my tenants are incredibly nice. But but I'm like the cop on the street. I only see bad people. Sure. And we see and We do hundreds and hundreds of cases per month. And we see exactly what the story is. In fact, when we have new attorneys who come to work with us, we're currently up to 19 attorneys, I don't care what their political persuasions are. I don't care that they graduated from Berkeley and they're, they're left of Stalin. It doesn't make any difference to me because once they're there and they see the day-to-day stories yeah. that, we, that we hear, it's, it's incredible. You know, I graduated uh, college and, and uh, then spent some time uh, as a Los Angeles policeman. So uh, I was at, also at UCLA at the t- same time I was a policeman. For about 11 years. Well, 10 years, 7 months, and 3 days. I wasn't counting. After a big car accident, I ended up retiring. But I came out of college specifically as a Democrat. Not a Democrat. A liberal, left Democrat. And I remember sitting in the police car. I was 21 years old, maybe 22, I guess, when I graduated. I'm sitting in the police car. My partner, I don't know what, however it came up. And I said, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, I think, you know, we had to give people a hug and give them more free stuff, whatever. Whatever the conversation went. And he said, I give you six months. I said, six months for what? He said, you're going to change. When you see the social uh, programs, and this is back in the early 90s, late 80s, early 90s. When you see the social program, they don't help people. Now, there are a few people that get help, but they're not designed. They're designed to enslave or to, to keep you in this little Dependent. corner. Yeah. Otherwise, the system would be completely different. If the... Obj- objective. Now I get it. You have a good heart. You want to hug a tree and you want to, you know, help children not eat, you know, raw shoe leather on the, on the train tracks. Okay. Those are important things. But if the goal is to make a difference, you cannot allow people to destroy the place where the next time the guy says, I am not renting to this family. I'm not renting to a family that looks like that or acts like this. He'll never say that because there are rules in place. But folks, if you're the poor person, I know you don't listen to this show if you are, but if you're the poor, if you're the, the, the degenerate, do you realize you were hurting other decent human beings? Because Dennis, one of the things that I've seen when I spent time on the streets is how many folks know how to, to play the system, right? They know they Without can- Without question. Oh my gosh. They walk in, they say the right things, they put somebody out, move somebody else in. You know, we've seen certain groups of folks, you walk in and you go, wait a second, who are these people? These aren't the ones that are on the lease. And you got to start the eviction process all over again. The city of L.A. is not conducive. Well, I'll tell you a quick story of time permitting, and that is if you rent out an illegal unit in the city of Los Angeles, 
That tenant, under the law, doesn't have to pay rent and is entitled to relocation money of anywhere from eight to twenty thousand dollars. And what's happening? They own is, you. And what's happening is you have tenants who are going on Craigslist, and what they're looking for, they're looking for rentals, and they put in something called rear guest house. They're all illegal for That's the most right. part. Yep. They show up, they rent the unit, and then all of a sudden they pay their first month's rent and security and they're done. And they're, they're calling up uh, housing authority. Yes. Or it's the city of Los Angeles. They're getting cited and all of a sudden they're getting their windfall. And I see the same people doing it from client to client. It's happening right now to a client of ours and it was her cousin. You know, Her parents took care of this young girl off and on over the years. Gets out. She's now 50 years old. She moves into the, the unit above the garage or whatever it was. Same story. And they've, they've talked to me. They've come to me and said, hey, this has been months and we can't collect any rent. And because it's starting oh, to affect And why should retirement. these people get a windfall? They just moved in and now they have to move out. They've, they still got the place. They still had heat. They had windows that locked. They That's had right. hot and ro- cold running water. They had a toilet. And so, okay, so it's an illegal unit. I've got an idea. Then leave. Right, exactly. Then leave. Yeah. There's no purpose for the, these laws that sit there and say, listen, you are a perpetual. Okay, I get it. It happened to you once. You go on a system. You're now the smart guy. You now know how it works. So you should never rent another illegal unit again because you figured it out. It's the redistribution of wealth. It is. Or the redistribution of someone else's labor. And we see that time and again in California and Los Angeles. What do you think is the prognosis? How do I protect myself if I own a... If I'm a retiree or I'm soon to be retired and I, and I own a, a, an apartment building or duplex and I want to protect myself, what is the right thing to do to make sure I don't get taken? Well, I can tell you right now for all landlords listening who do not have property under rent control with the potential that this Affordable Housing Act will pass, I am telling all of my clients and I've been giving numerous seminars around town and even in San Diego County, now is the time. If you have rents that are below market, you must immediately raise your rent, not high, just to what market should be. And there's many services out there which can tell you exactly what the rent should be for that unit with that many bedrooms in this particular locale. If you have units that are under market now, before this law passes, do it. But one more thing you need to do. There are many tenants out there who I call malcontents. You have a 12-unit building, but there's always that one person who's always constantly calling. Always unhappy. Everybody will call. That tenant, you need to terminate his tenancy now. You don't need to have a reason to terminate a month-to-month tenancy unless you're under rent control. Terminate that guy now because once rent control is instituted, potentially, I'm not saying it will, but then you're going to have to have good cause eviction. You'll never get this person out, and this malcontent will be on steroids at that point. And this is important, guys. If you're counting on this money as part of your retirement income, remember there's some benefits to owning real estate. That's not what this show is about. We're not a real estate investment show, but I need to bring this to your attention because so many of you come to me and say, Eric, if I have this, this, this as my sources of retirement income, we handle the safe part. But I have seen you guys make mistakes time and again when it comes to your retirement income coming from rentals. You can't make these mistakes because you're not playing with a few dollars. This isn't like a, oh, well, it didn't work, you know, or, or I, got, I got taken at the uh, you know, $25 magazine subscription with the kid who wanted to go to, 
to Six Flags at my front door. Oh, well, it looks like I got taken for 20 bucks. No, no, no. This is thousands, potentially tens of thousands of dollars. And your family is counting on this. You didn't work your life for these folks who purposely, their job. Listen, I heard this from Michael, uh, a quote from Michael Jordan uh, the other day. Uh, amazing to me. He said, if you can come up to me and ask for a dollar, then you can also say, welcome to McDonald's. Can I take your order, please? <laughs> Excellent. There's no difference. So there are some people that are struggling, no question. But you have to think twice. A client came to us. I won't tell you. Uh, I'll tell you off air. But uh, I've seen this young man grow up since he was about 11 years old. He's now 20. She's a, a professional, uh, well into the six figures, nearly 200000 in income. Uh, very big in what she does in her field. And her son at, went to one year, I believe, of community college and then decided he was just going to take to the streets. And when... His grandmother came in because the family or clients said, you know, the quote is from they pay for the, the phone initially. And now he gets the Obama phone, which is the free cell phone. Of course. And so he said, Mom, do you realize how much trash is in dumpsters? How much food is in dumpsters? And she goes, what the heck are you talking about? He goes, yeah, yeah, that's where I get my food from. And you can learn there's a whole network of people of where to sleep and you, churches will give you stuff and, and these organizations will give you stuff. They'll give you food. They'll give you a place to stay. You can get clean clothes as often as you want. So she gets calls from him. Oh, I'm in Seattle. I'm in Salt Lake. I'm in Phoenix. Oh, I'll be maybe a month or two will go by. Oh, now he's in Tucson. How in the heck did you get from Seattle to Tucson? I don't know. It's that time of year. It's weather. weather. Works a little bit. Makes some cash. Doesn't pay taxes, folks. Gets his free Obama phone. And this kid is subject to an inheritance probably somewhere around half a million at this point. Maybe more. An only child. Well, the system uh, fosters dependency. And that's, that's right. what it's all about. And when that person decides to figure out or learns the system of behind the scenes, how to get into somebody else's home and crash for a month or two and make another three, four, five thousand $5,000 to move out, I don't think uh, we're going in the right direction, folks. Hey, guys, let me give you the, the website one more time, uh, evict123.com. That's evict123.com. Folks, that's Dennis, uh, Dennis Block, eviction attorney. Pretty important you understand that Dennis Block & Associates is a law firm specializing in residential and commercial eviction of tenants. Any questions, give them a call at 877-EVICT. I'm Eric Hallaby. Thanks for joining me on the Total Financial Hour. Give us a call this week at 888-99-RETIRE. Triple Eight Ninety Nine Retire. I'm Eric Halby on the Total Financial Hour. Thanks again to Dennis Block and your place for news, talk, and information. Aim eight seventy. The answer. The Total Financial Hour is brought to you by Total Financial Solutions. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.